0: Welcome to Frontline Church South OKC Sermon Podcast. Each week we will have new sermon content from Sunday mornings, both video and audio options. Please visit south.frontlinechurch.com for more information. If you have any questions, need prayer, or have any other needs at all, please email hello at frontlinechurch.com. Thank you so much for tuning in.
1: The scripture for today's teaching is from mark 1 1 through 8 the beginning of the gospel of jesus christ the son of god it is written in isaiah the prophet behold i send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make his path straight john appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God to us.
0: Thanks be to God. Alright, you guys can have a seat. Good morning. Good to see you all. If you don't know me, my name is Sean. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And uh, we did start last week a, a new series, The Gospel of Mark. And we covered uh, just one verse last week, uh, Mark one one. Today we're going to cover uh, just verse 2. I'm kidding. <laughs> You guys got nervous. We're going to move slowly through the book of Mark, but we're not going to move that slowly. We are going to cover uh, these eight verses, but before we do that today, uh, what we want to do is I want to give us some backstory. I think we need to get caught up just a little bit because we're a little little late to the story if we're coming in right here. Let me tell you what I mean. In the days before Netflix, in the days before Disney+, and Hulu, and all of the streaming options... Uh, it was really crazy. Let me just speak to the younger people in the room. It was really crazy the way that we got our television shows and our movies. Like, things would just fly through the air. This is the best way I know how to explain it. Things would just fly through the air until they got to your antenna on your television, and then it got sucked down into the TV, and it made a picture, and it and it had a voice, and it had audio with it. Really crazy. Um, it, was, it, was, it worked fine. The problem is if you came into a show late if you came into a movie late you were stuck there was no way to rewind there was no way to go back and figure out the parts of the story that you missed and so it really it really stinks to come into a story late because you don't fully get the depth or the beauty of the plot that the storyteller intended for you to hear am i right like we've all had this experience you come into a story late. You can kind of pick up on some of the details and you can go, okay, I think we're getting to the good part now. I kind of understand these characters, but you don't understand it fully. And so, man, my hope for us today is for us to jump in to the book of Mark, realizing this is a little bit the middle of the story. Not only do we not start with the birth of Jesus, as some of the other gospels have done. We don't even start anywhere near the beginning of the way that God has started to work through his people in the world. And so today, what I would love for us to do is to just slow down and go backward just a little bit and and maybe to take a look at this text and understand how the original hearers and how the original readers would have seen it, because when we do that, it really takes on some deeper meaning. When we say, hey, let's go to the gospel of Mark. Let's read the story of Jesus. Here's what we do. We go, yeah, we can read the story of Jesus. We really have four options, don't we? We Go Matthew, we go Mark, we go Luke, we go John. Where do we want to go? Well, when the original hearers would have heard this, they didn't have those options. This, This gospel account, the book of Mark, is second when we get to it in the New Testament, right? We go Matthew, then Mark, but chronologically... This was the first time any of this stuff was ever written down. And so a lot of this would have completely blown the minds of the people that were reading or the people that were hearing. So I'd love for us to back up and kind of experience it that way. So let's start again. And I want us to read at the beginning of the chapter, and then we're going to rewind and we're going to talk about some of the parts of the story that we've missed, okay? So starting with verse 1 again, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. When Mark starts the narrative off at the beginning of this book with the words, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Hey, we read that and we go, okay, like I don't fully understand this, but let's keep reading, right? The people that originally heard this, that would not have been their experience. Uh, The the people that originally read this, it would have been similar to all of us who um, many of us have grown up in this country. Maybe it would be like someone standing up on the National Mall in Washington in late January, saying, "Hey, I just want to say I still have a dream. I really have a dream that there's coming a day in this country where racial injustice lifts off, and I'm believing that there's still coming a day when when we're going to judge people not by the color of their skin but by the content of their character." We would hear that, right, and we would go, "Ah, we know what's being referenced here. This is Dr. King. This is I Have a Dream." Uh, We would understand and we would think, ah, our history, the places where we've been and the places where we're still longing to go. It would be like someone, it would be like Elon Musk or someone from the SpaceX program getting on national television going, hey, we are going to boldly go forward with space exploration. We're going to actually go to the planet Mars, not because it's the easy thing, but because it's the hard thing. And we would go, ah, we remember President John F. Kennedy. We remember those words when he talked about the Apollo missions. And we would think to ourselves, our history, the places where we've been and the places where we're still longing to be. Well, first century Jewish people, they would hear the words of John when he stands up and he cries out and they would immediately think about three main passages in the Old Testament that are clearly being pointed to, and I want to give them to you. Ready? All right, Exodus 23. you got to look at this. Look at these words. Behold, I send a messenger before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Important words. Verse 21. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your Transgression for my name is in him. Fascinating, right? All right, Malachi chapter 3 is another place that these people would have heard this and they would have gone, We know what he's talking about. These words Behold, I send a messenger, and he will prepare the way for me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Or they would have thought clearly about Isaiah 40. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain, hill will be made low. And the uneven ground will become level. And the rough places a plain. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken the words, a voice crying in the wilderness, make straight the path of the Lord. This would evoke to first century Jews, ah, our history, the places where we've been, but also the places where we're real, really still longing to go. Their reaction would not have been what our reaction is. Ah, wait, This is interesting. Tell me more about this. They would have said, we know exactly what this is. Everybody get out to the Jordan. Finally, there's an answer to the promise that we've been waiting for centuries. The promise of a new exodus. A new exodus. That's what I want us to talk about for just a few minutes today. The promise of the new exodus. So let me just give you a recap. Maybe you're familiar with the Old Testament. Maybe you know the story of the Exodus. Maybe you've never heard it before. It's good for all of us to just kind of recap because it's very, very relevant to what we're doing today and what we're doing in the book of Mark. So you go to the beginning of the Bible, and this won't take long, Uh, the book of Genesis introduces us to God's people the people of Israel. And what we see in the book of Genesis is that they end up, it's kind of a long story, but they end up in the nation of Egypt. And when we get to the Exodus, what we see is they find themselves, the people of God, they find themselves at odds with the Pharaoh of Egypt in that time. And he takes them into slavery. He takes them into bondage. And they're waiting for a deliverer to come. And the the, the deliverer comes uh, in in the person of Moses and God actually delivers his people. He comes to them in a meal. He comes to them at the Passover. The Spirit of God comes in judgment of his enemies and he comes in rescue of his people. And then what happens is the Pharaoh says, All right, I've had it, all the plagues, everything. I'm tired of all the stuff that Moses and his God are bringing against us. And so I want you to get out of Egypt. And he sends all these people, millions of people, the people of Israel, out of this place where they have been slaves. And he takes them, God takes them through the Red Sea, right? The waters part, and they're able to cross on dry land. And about the time that they're crossing on dry land, Pharaoh goes, what have I done? I've just sent away all my slaves, and they really made my life a whole lot easier. And he gets the chariots, and he gets the soldiers, and he says, let's go back and get them. And they rush into the place where the sea is parted, and God collapses the waters, And crushes the enemies of the people of God. And he brings them out safely onto dry land. And he brings them to a place, Mount Sinai, where he makes a covenant with them. God speaks to his people. And he says, hey, today I'm making a covenant with you. I'm setting you apart. You're going to be my people and I will be your God. And all the people go, yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. And it lasts about half a page. And they all say, man, let's just, we're going to turn our own way. And they start to rebel The rest of the entire Old Testament is this tragic cycle of the people receiving the instruction from God and then turning away from it, rebelling, God bringing judgment and dispersing them to the nations, scattering them again and again and again. We see this happen in a cycle throughout the whole Old Testament. He's promised, the original promise was he's going to take them into a place that he will show them he's going to take them to a place that he's prepared for them. This place that's going to be perfect with his presence and his peace. And from that place, Mount Sinai, to the land of Canaan, where they want to get, it's really only about, you can look at the geography, it's like a two-week journey by foot, and it takes them 40 years of wandering. And they're wandering through the wilderness. Here's that language, the wilderness. And they're They're taking these confusing paths where they're going around and around in circles and they just need God to come and make straight their paths. They're following their own crooked paths. They're wandering, they're lost, they're confused and they're trying to find their own way to the kingdom. That's what they're doing. And we get to this point and we go, does the word of God speak to our culture in 2021? Is it even possible Or is this just some dusty old document? We look around at our own hearts. We look around at our neighbors. We look around at the people that we live nearby and the people that we work with. And we're all trying to find our own way to the kingdom. We want the kingdom. We just don't want to listen to the king. This is what we're all doing. And so we see the rebellion that happens again and again. What we see is the people of God, they're actually taken out of Egypt. They're taken out of Egypt, but the slavery and the bondage of Egypt is not taken out of their hearts. They keep going back. They want the bondage. They want the other lovers. They want the other gods. They want the other things that they can worship. Again and again, this should sound familiar to us. And what we see is, you get to the end of the Old Testament, you get to this amazing chapter, Malachi chapter four. God speaks and he says, there's one that's gonna be coming. And then it goes silent. 400 years you know that page in the middle of the Bible it's just blank and then it says the New Testament that represents 400 years of people waiting and wondering and uh, by the time Mark writes all of this roughly two thirds of God's people the people of Israel are still scattered to the nations they're all over the place they're dispersed but they know this is their story they know there was a time when God promised to them, I'm going to take you to a place that I've prepared for you, and it's going to be the place of my presence. And so 400 years pass, and the people are like, is it ever going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? Is anyone ever going to lead us to straight paths, or are we going to just continue wandering around in the crooked paths of our own lives and our own souls? Is the deliverer ever going to come? Is the messenger ever going to come? And John comes on the scene and he's like, hey, everybody, remember the promise? Remember the promise? We still haven't crossed the Jordan. We still haven't stepped fully into the land that God has offered to us. We have not stepped fully into the rescue that God had planned for us. Does anyone want to finally step into the water and come out on the other side in a place where you're loved and you're known? but you're also fully forgiven into the place where God is prepared. And he starts to proclaim this kingdom. The kingdom is proclaimed. He proclaims this idea that, hey, all the low places, all the, all the people that feel low that are getting stepped on, they're gonna get raised up. And all the places that are so high, they feel out of reach to, to normal people, they're gonna, they're gonna actually get uh, lowered to where things become in reach. And the places that are so crooked, they're going to get straightened out. This is what God's going to do. Even the words of voice cries in the wilderness should clue in modern day Christians that don't even know what any of this stuff is about. That should clue us into the reality, reality that this is a kingdom for the ones that are traveling through life feeling lonely and desolate. This is a kingdom for the weary. This is a kingdom for the people that are dry and so As we think about the kingdom of the new exodus, two quick things about this message that John is proclaiming. I want to give us two quick things, and then we're going to celebrate something really beautiful, and then we'll be done, okay? First thing is this. The new exodus, it gives us our baptism. Look at verse four with me in Mark 1. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So in the, in the Exodus story, the people are enslaved by Egypt, right? They have these evil taskmasters. They're standing over them day and night, punishing them, whipping them, making them go places that they don't wanna go and do things that they do not wanna do. And God comes to them when they have no way of rescuing themselves, they're in bondage, they're in slavery. God comes to them in mercy, and He brings them through the waters of the Red Sea safely to the other side. And what He says to them is, You are my people, and I am your God. And He makes this covenant with them, and He swallows up all that stood against them in the waters, killing their enemies, fighting their battles, and He brings them out of captivity onto the other side, into the safe place that he has prepared for them. And he leads them, and he starts to show them what it means to be this holy, set-apart people, a people that look different from the other nations. And he gives them the law, and he allows the law of God to start to shape who they are, shape the way that they think about things. The law of God starts to penetrate their heart. And they start to turn away from all the ways that they've been unfaithful, and they start to say, wait, we, we actually wanna be Faithful to you, God. The new exodus, our exodus, it comes to us with water and a baptism of repentance. When someone comes to faith in God, in Jesus, what they're doing is they're saying, God, I want to walk in your ways. I want to be your people. I want you to be my God. I don't want to follow my own crooked paths through the wilderness of my life anymore. I want you to make straight my paths. I want to turn from my old way of thinking, This is a work of repentance. Hey, when we baptize, it's not the water that's doing the work. It's the work of the Spirit on the inside that's bringing renewal, bringing repentance. Something new is happening in the life of the believer. Martin Luther, this great old uh, father of the Protestant Reformation, he said these words, that all of the Christian life is to be a life of repentance. It is nothing less than that. Every single day, It's receiving the new mercies of God and then going, God, I want to walk in these mercies. But when I turn away from your mercies, God, I want to repent and I want to turn back. In the new Exodus, God takes us into the water and he takes our enemies into the water with us. And he crushes our enemies underneath the weight of the sea. And then he raises us up in new life with Christ. This is a work of repentance. Uh, N.T. Wright, this uh, this old theologian, this British theologian, he says, in Britain, it's a common joke that everywhere the queen goes to visit, she smells fresh paint. (laughs) And I think the idea there is like, hey, if the queen is going to go to a town, someone's going to go ahead. Someone's going to go ahead of the way and go, guys, we got to get everything cleaned up. We got to put some paint on the walls. We got to clean up over here. We got to declutter over here. And uh, this is the work of John the Baptist, to go ahead of the Christ and to offer what is the work of repentance, preparing the way of the Lord in our hearts. In the life of the believer, it's not just putting fresh fresh paint on the walls. It's actually tearing down the walls completely in full repentance, saying, God, I need you to come and and rebuild everything that was crooked, everything that was out of place. I need you to come and put it back right the way that it was Meant to be. This is what God is doing for us in the work of baptism. It's a baptism of repentance, and he gives it to us in the new Exodus. We're going to get to experience it. We're going to get to celebrate it actually today in the next few minutes. Second thing I want us to see is that in the new Exodus, we're given communion with God. Look at verse 6. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. That's a strange diet. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to even stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, the people of the first exodus... The people that were a part of that original story, they would have known God's presence as marked by a place. But John actually comes and he says, hey, it's not gonna be in the tabernacle. It's not gonna be in the Ark of the Covenant. It's not gonna be in a tent or a cloud or a pillar of fire. That's not what it's gonna be. But God is actually coming. The very presence of God will come to you through a person. Now this is fascinating because it actually wouldn't have been a complete surprise. They would have been expecting this. In the Exodus story, the Spirit of God comes in rescue of his people in the judgment of his enemies during that Passover meal, right? So they had these instructions. The family was supposed to gather around the table. They were supposed to have a specific meal. And they were supposed to brush the blood of a spotless lamb over the doorposts. And this was to represent, by faith, a covering of that whole family to protect them so that the judgment of God would actually pass over them. And in the new Exodus story, we're invited to a meal of the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit. We're offered the body and the blood of a spotless lamb to remember that it's only by faith in him that that judgment has passed over us also. It passes over us as it did those families in that first Passover night. But every year, this is fascinating, follow me here, every year Uh, after the first Passover, the people of Israel, they would hold a Passover meal just to remember. They would hold a Seder just to remember. This is what God did. This is the way that God rescued us. And the fascinating thing is they would hold that meal around their dinner table and they would keep one seat open. They would keep a seat open for Elijah. Elijah was this prophet in the Old Testament that, uh, that never died but was carried up to heaven. And what the people knew about Elijah was, he's going to be one that comes back to us and he's going to return the hearts of the father to the children. And he's going to return the hearts of the children to the father. And when he comes, he's going to be this guy that kind of dresses weird. He's going to probably wear animal clothes. That's the way the prophecy was. But what they knew is he was going to prepare the way of the Lord for his people, and, uh, and what's fascinating about this is John, he shows up and he's baptizing people in the Jordan River and he's wearing camel skins and he's proclaiming, prepare the way of the Lord. And everyone is like, this has got to be the Elijah figure. This has got to be the guy. This is the one that we've all been waiting for. And then it would have clicked. What Malachi told us is when we see the forerunner, when we see the one that's preparing the way Yahweh himself is coming next. God himself is coming to us. This was God showing up uh, and doing something powerfully in the way that he had promised. John says, hey, the baptism that I'm doing with water, it's important. There's one coming after me that's gonna totally change your hearts. Ezekiel 36, this is the word of God, and I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. We experience the presence of God not in a place. It's not here. It's not on Sunday. It's not just because we're in a building. We experience the presence of God through a person. Every week, if you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to take the bread and to take the wine, to remember the very body and blood of Jesus that was broken for us, that was shed for us, but also to meet with God, the Holy Spirit. As you take this meal, he's present with us. So when we come to the table, what we're doing is we're looking ahead of us, And we're saying, God, you understand the parts of my story that I don't even understand. You're already there. And we're looking behind us. And we're going, God, you've carried me this far. But we're also, we're looking inside of us. And we're going, God, all the places that I know and you know are crooked. I'm asking you to come and make them straight. I need to be baptized afresh in the power of the Holy Spirit. I need your presence in my life. That's what we're doing when we come to the table. So, Jesus, as we close, Jesus is the one who went before us, making our paths to the Father straight. He's fought for us. He's defeated our enemies. Hey, everything that stands between you and God the Father, Jesus has come to defeat. That's good news. Like, we could probably get excited about that. He's paid for our sin and our shame with his own body and his own blood. And now, what he's done, is he, he's given his people these sacraments, communion. He's given his people Baptism, And what's happening here is we're remembering that there's coming a day where we're gonna see him face to face. Our enemies will be swallowed up and our anthem on that day will be death. Where's your sting? Hell, where's your victory? And we're gonna actually gather around a table and we're gonna feast in a way that's not just a cheap cracker and a cheap cup of wine. We're gonna actually feast with the presence of Christ our King himself. <laughs> this is good news. Welcome, guys. We're glad you're in here. All right. So until that day, friends, we remember and we wait and we celebrate these sacraments together. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to actually see the work of the new exodus in some believers. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you are doing. And we just remember that the work of the church is to is to every week gather and remember you and proclaim your death and your burial and your resurrection for us and to proclaim you will come again. And so we do that today. And uh, God, we just want to say, we feel the crookedness of our own ways. We feel the crookedness of our own hearts and lives. Today, would the kingdom of God come in a fresh way again and make straight all that is crooked? We wait for you. And until the day that we see you face to face, God, we... We marvel at the gifts of communion and baptism that you've given to us. We ask that you'd open our hearts wide to celebrate them now in Jesus' name. Amen.